Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, hello. I come to you from the land down under. No, that's not right. Nope, no. nope. Try again. Try again. Okay. <laughs> I, I come from the... No, I'm not going to sing it either. That's not from what you're... From the land of bounty and plunder. Come Arr, on. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to talk like a pirate this week, so I'm doing it now on the show. There you go. This <laughs> it took is us a while wrong. to get there, but we got there. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was jealous. I was jealous that uh, I'm sure a lot of people were jealous uh, of of you being able to play Sea of Thieves on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I did not get a chance to, uh, but I mean, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, I talk um, like a pirate every day now. <laughs> um, yeah, before we dive too far into Sea of Thieves, huh? can it dive into the mm, sea? Huh? It's happening, everybody. Uh, before we go too far into Sea of Thieves, I just wanted to let everybody know, uh, in case you missed it, I did tweet it out, but uh, I was actually interviewed by Blizzard this week, so if you guys want to check it out, there's a YouTube video that we will link in the show notes, uh, otherwise there's an actual blog post on the Play Hearthstone website, mm. so if you guys are interested in all they at all, they interviewed me about... Um, I was going to say Sea of Thieves. I totally have pirates on the brain. About uh, my experience at HCT Toronto uh, coming from a kind of non-professional player perspective and and asked me to give some kind of tips on how to get into your first big tournament. So um, if you guys are interested in that at all, that again is over on the uh, blog post on the Play Hearthstone website or a YouTube video over on the Hearthstone Esports YouTube channel. So um, it was super cool. Apparently I was even on the launcher over in Europe. So uh, it's a really nice kind of uh, community spotlight. And then obviously I think it's really cool because I did it, but um, just, I think, uh, anyone from the kind of outside of the Twitch sort of community, I think is, it's really nice that they're choosing to highlight people, uh, who contribute to the community in different ways, like podcasts. So, um, the more exposure we can get for podcasters and the more kind of mainstream we can make podcasts, I think the better. <laughs> so yeah. it was, uh, it was really cool. Well, I think it's really cool. So it's not just you, it's me Good. and the internet <laughs> and the Europeans who saw it on the launcher. That's really exciting that you, they, they popped you on the launcher. That's I know. I did you get a screen grab was, or? Uh, no, I just had I, one of our fans uh, from EU said that I was up on the. I checked the NA launcher and it wasn't there, but it was apparently up on the uh, EU launcher. So I was thinking I, I should message him today and just be like, if it's still there, do you think maybe you could just like screenshot? Because I feel like that's like the epitome of my career, right? I made it on the Blizzard launcher. It doesn't get any bigger than that. I'm done. <laughs> it still counts if it's Europe, right? Like that's. Yeah. Oh, it totally yeah. does. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> that's like the next step from like I'm huge in Japan. <laughs> Which <laughs> like I'm I huge mean, in Europe. <laughs> it's a goal for all of us really to be huge yeah, in Japan. And exactly. Uh, yeah. I, I yeah. Japan. That's where it's at. <laughs> uh so yeah, please do go and check that out. Give the video an upvote and uh let them know that you like community content because I think it's uh I think it's really important for the for the positivity and growth of the community. We're gonna talk a little bit later about positivity in communities. Uh but first we're gonna talk about what we're playing, which Yar, mateys, mm. tis pirate time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I swear, like, I had so much tea yesterday, <laughs> and you can probably still hear my voice is a little bit, like, it's not quite where it normally is, and I swear it's because of all the yarring and the pirate talk. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, throat, like, I don't know, 
rumbling vibration as something. But yeah, my my voice was like shot after Tuesday night's pirate stream. Uh, the VOD is still up on Twitch if you guys want to go see what the pirate experience was like. Cool. I even cosplayed a pirate, which was super duper fun. Uh, so if you guys want to go check that out, the VOD is uh, twitch.tv slash Plays and the video archives is all there. So cool. um, please do go check it out. It was really, really fun. Uh, but I'm interested because uh, Siv and I recorded a Shipwrecks and Shanties today that went about an hour and 20 minutes. Lots and lots to talk about. And even then, there was some kind of like breaking news type things that happened like right before we recorded and that we didn't get a chance to talk about like there's so much going on right now obviously it's launch week so mm-hmm. um if you want our kind of like full in-depth rundown then definitely go check out shipwrecks and shanties but Siv and i have been following the game very 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 closely obviously for the last couple of months so i'm really interested ryan as someone who maybe wasn't following the game as closely what your experience was like um just kind of getting into the game yeah, so for me, I did not get, so I will preface this whole conversation with the fact that I did not actually get to play Sea of Thieves. I did get to install it on multiple platforms and, you know, create a character, I should uh, I should say in quotations, but it uh, basically just, I, I experimented with the Game Pass, so I'm using the Game Pass. Mm-hmm. I installed it on the Xbox. Now, I know some folks were a little confused and uh, maybe not confused, but just a little well, no, confused is definitely confused. the right word. Okay, yeah. so confused because about the... Go ahead. The, the fact that the game is kind of married to the Xbox interface has made a lot of the functionality, especially around installation and uh, party creation and, I guess, party maintenance as well. Um, it's, it's all been quite confusing if you're mm. not natively on an Xbox. So as soon as you get into, like, the Windows Store, Xbox app kind of PC windows interface like it's just it's so many different things to run and try to coordinate that it was completely confusing so yeah confusing is definitely the right word <laughs> yeah i uh so i yeah and i i get that so with with the game pass and the play anywhere side i was like okay see if these is a multiplayer game it's an xbox play anywhere game with game pass or sorry, and Game Pass. So I got Game right. Pass. I did the 14-day trial, which was painless on the Xbox. Just click a button, you're good to go. Very, uh, very public about how that works. Then I was like, okay, I downloaded it on the Xbox. Now I want to play it on the... P- I want to get it on the PC because I was going to stream it, and I figured that was the easiest yeah. way to do it. So I go over to the PC, and I go to the Windows machine, and or the Windows store, and uh, it's like, oh, Sea of Thieves, it registered that my account had the Game Pass, so it said free with Game Pass, uh, and I went about my business downloading it, and that was fairly painless. So I know there's been conversation about having to set up the Game Pass on your Xbox and then being able to see the free games on the Windows Store, and that you know doesn't make sense to folks who you know jump back and forth, but it does mm-hmm. make sense to me in that it's a it doesn't make it right, but it's an Xbox Game Pass where games with Play Anywhere bridge the gap. However, in the Windows Store, if you have the Game Pass, it shows games free with Game Pass. So I don't have to download Halo Wars 2 on the Xbox to be able to download it on my PC. Right, true. But I think, so where I think the the confusion was coming, because we tested this, uh, Siv and I tested this before, uh, it was a couple weeks ago, 
uh, signing up for the Game Pass, but Civ doesn't actually own an Xbox. And he was unable, because he didn't own an Xbox, he was unable to then download any of the Play Anywhere titles onto his PC hmm. because he didn't have the Xbox hardware. So I've heard some people saying that even if you don't have an Xbox, the Game Pass will give you access to Sea of Thieves, even if you only have a PC. I don't think that's true, but I'm not 100% positive um, because the FAQ on the Microsoft site is really, really bad. It's total marketing speak to the point that you can't even understand what they're saying and they don't ever actually answer the question. Now, if you go to the Microsoft Canada website, it says the Xbox Game Pass only works on the Xbox. It's one sentence. It's very clear. So I don't actually know if you are only a PC player, if you can actually use the Game Pass um, because I have both. I have the Xbox and I have the PC, not to mention I actually purchased Sea of Thieves. So I'm like, I can't test it. You same thing. Civ did test it a couple of weeks ago with other Play Anywhere titles and was unable to download anything. So mm. it's really confusing because it seems like you're, I think you said it bridges the gap and, and it seems like you should then be able to like just sign up for them. Like, I guess technically it's branded as the Xbox Game Pass, but it should just be like the Microsoft Game Pass, right? Yeah. Since they're trying to push this whole one ecosystem between Windows and Xbox, but it's not that fluid yet. <laughs> I think, and, and here here's the thing that I know I saw you you, uh, you and Siv were talking about it uh, on Shipwrecks and Shanties. <laughs> you were talking about it in the Discord and a lot of people were, you know, it's easy to kind of poke fun at a major corporation, but when you, and I was going to chime in, I was like, ah, you know, I'll let them have I'll let them have their conversation because I don't want to appear to be the 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 guy who goes ah actually Microsoft is blah blah. It, you know, I didn't want to derail it. Okay, with... so yeah, so Zephyr in the chat room is saying he doesn't have an Xbox, right? But he was able to get it on the Game Pass. So maybe Siv's just an idiot. That's a that's a possibility. That wasn't the <laughs> argument I was going to make. <laughs> that's actually pretty mean. But uh, Siv's not an idiot. Okay. Uh, anyways, I but that aside, like. I didn't sign up for Game Pass outside of the Xbox ecosystem. Mm -hmm. I signed up on the Xbox. It was super easy. It was very straightforward. I could choose the 14-day trial or the Yeah, it's super start. easy in the um in the Windows Store as well. Sure. Because uh it again, it's just it's one it's one button that says start your 14-day free trial. You click the button and you're in, you're done. So it's mm -hmm. super easy to sign up for, obviously, because they want your money. Yeah. Um, but it's like then navigating through the Windows Store on your PC is where it starts to get a little dicey. I, well, yeah. So here's here's I, I will I will say this about Microsoft and Game Pass and Play Anywhere. They are the only company with those two products. There is nothing like this outside of Game Pass or Play Anywhere. You mm -hmm. know, it's it's unique to them and they're sorting it out and they have been adding value to it. They have been improving well, and, it. But it's unique to them because they've locked down their platform. They would never let PlayStation access Windows in that same way ever. Uh, I mean, they won't even let PlayStation players play with Xbox players and vice versa. Like there's no way that they're just going to open up that. Well, yeah. Of, like cross play. They, <laughs> they, they are. So, there there are that's the problem is that microsoft has been pretty pub public that it's sony that is holding back the cross-platform play like with fortnite where everybody playing under one server you know xbox playstation pc i think that if sony 
wanted to offer a system like this uh, where their games bridge the gap. That's the difference. It's not Microsoft. It's Sony not publishing their games on Microsoft's platforms. (laughs) You can't buy God of War on the PC, but I can get Mm -hmm. Gears of War 4 on the PC and the Xbox. So Well, yeah, because again, that's a Microsoft exclusive title. (laughs) Yeah. I think we're passing like, each other in the dark here. Xbox, obviously, Xbox and um, Windows are going to mm-hmm. play well together because it's the same company. Right. But Sony and and I know what chat room is also saying it's Sony's holdout, and that's what we've heard. That's what we've heard from we've heard. again Microsoft. Uh well, <laughs> so... no, there there are articles out there where Sony's saying like, nah, it's a security thing. We don't want to be. We know we can protect our users. If well, yeah, just but so with... okay, my my counter to that is mm. like, yes, that has been Sony's position. They've talked about controlling the ecosystem and and all the rest, and that's fine. I'm not saying Sony's not holding out. What I'm saying is that Microsoft is basically like because of Sony's comments, they're allowed to make Sony the scapegoat and say, oh, it's all Sony's fault. Well, (laughs) if Microsoft actually opened up their platform and Sony didn't take advantage, that would be something. But right now, because of Sony's comments, Microsoft can blame them and get off scot-free. And I'm wondering, like, if Sony turned around and said, yeah, sure, we'd love to do this, if then Microsoft would be like, cool, or if they'd be like, ah, crap. Well, I don't know what we don't know. Because I do. think it would be all crap. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I mean, they are they are behind the pack in terms of the leaders of this generation. So I think they'd say yes to anything. I I honestly don't believe that. You mean Microsoft is? Yeah, Microsoft. Microsoft is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And for a second, I thought you meant Sony. I'm like, no, 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 no. Sony's that. yeah. Sony <laughs> yeah. number one, then Nintendo, then Xbox. Yeah. Like that's those numbers. Which is are crazy. Which is crazy. <laughs> it's uh, certainly a wild, wild world, but. I think I think what 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 comes down to it is that Xbox is a locked platform. You're right. You're not going to get PlayStation games on the Xbox. However, if those two companies looked at each other and said, "Hey, let's have our games that make sense, you know, our third-party games like Fortnite mm-hmm. and PUBG, well, PUBG is actually different, but um anyways, <laughs> PUBG is an exclusive. They've locked yeah. down that console exclusivity. Uh, Rocket League, Rocket League. Is Rocket League, good sure. Example. Let's let's come together. Let's make that work. However, Windows as a platform is not a is not a locked system. Like there are games that aren't published or produced by Microsoft on the Windows Store and on Steam and on Uplay. So like if Sony wanted to publish their games on PC, they could. Um and they could have a cross play anywhere platform. Skeptical face, Ryan. Big, I don't understand what, what you think is skeptical. Face. Do you think Microsoft <laughs> is skeptical or do you think Sony is the problem here? Because I'm saying I Sony's think, the problem. I think that if Sony really wanted to do this, I hmm. don't think that they could. I don't think that Microsoft what? would allow it. But anyways, we are getting way, I don't way that, off though. topic. There are plenty of third-party games on the Windows Store yes, and there are Steam. third-party games, but not third-party games from competing consoles. Oh, I mean, you're not wrong, but <laughs> I guess it depends on who you want to blame. I feel like the console, yeah, the, the console thing is what throws a wrench in that sure. whole argument, right? Is that like none of these other companies that are making third, like EA doesn't have their mm-hmm. own console. If True. EA had a console, we might be having a conversation about how Microsoft is blocking EA out of that whole crossplay ecosystem. Right now, Microsoft's the only one that can do crossplay sure. because they have both the computer platform and the console. They control both things. I mm-hmm. feel like if a competitor were to come into that space, they would do everything in their power not to allow that because you're right. 
the crossplay, the play anywhere, like all that kind of stuff. And again, we should mm-hmm. kind of distinguish between crossplay and play anywhere because they are different. <laughs> they are um, different. Which is, again, confusing. But uh, the play anywhere thing, like that's that's the big kind of selling point to a lot of this, a lot of Microsoft's exclusive titles right now is the fact that I can play on my PC or my console either way. Like that's huge and amazing and awesome. And I don't think they want to give up that space because like you said, they're third. They don't have a lot of exclusive selling points to their console right now. <laughs> mm. Well, I, I, I think without actual examples it's hard to say it's personal opinion on who's at at fault but i i think that uh you're right right now there isn't a a sony or nintendo game appearing on the windows store or even any on the pc in general unless i'm forgetting about one or (laughs) i don't think i think you're right there isn't so until that day happens uh we can look at that but but you know, when I look at the Xbox Game Pass and I look at the PC, I think the reason they kind of limit your ability to, to, to purchase it from the PC side and, and kind of hide it away and, and all the marketing speak points to the Xbox is because the value is on the Xbox and the PC is just sort of, uh, you know, a happy accident because of that Play Anywhere program. So because I couldn't, so long story short, I couldn't play Sea of Thieves <laughs> Tuesday because of the servers going wonky. I got a yeah. chance to check out the character creation. I'm... I wouldn't I want to preface this. I would never call a developer lazy. Rare is not lazy. There is no such thing as a lazy game developer. However, there is such a thing as not being able to scope in a proper character creator. And I do believe that they created a bunch of variations that they could have. And they were like, well, we don't have time to design a really good character creator. So we'll just do a random generator, which... I know you've talked about this on Shipwrecks and Shanties. I think that random character creator system is bad. Um, yes. The and fact that so you can... This is, this is a really interesting talking point for mm. us this week, actually, on Shipwrecks and Shanties, because um, I am of the opinion that it's bad, and Siv is of the opinion that it's fine. Mm. It only took him five or six rounds to find a character that he was fine playing because he's not as married to his appearance as some gamers are. And uh, my counterpoint to that is that when an entire, like the progression system in Sea of Thieves is 100% tied to your character's look. So it took me an hour and a half to two hours to find a character that I was like kind of halfway decent on. And I still wasn't satisfied. It still didn't look how I wanted, but it was good enough. And I was sick of spinning the wheel. Um, and the thing that I find, they put a whole YouTube video out about character creation and their choices. And, uh, they actually like, they put a lot of developer time and a lot of thought into how they wanted to do it because they didn't want anyone to basically look the same in Sea of Thieves. Mm -hmm. They didn't want people to play as the default character. They didn't want, um, like any of that. Cause they were saying any game, I think their stat was something like 70 or 75% of players in a game with character customization will just play as the default. And they didn't want a pirate world populated by pirates that all look the same. They wanted everyone to look unique and that's fine. But my Mm -hmm. biggest gripe with this, because I think they did put a lot of work into this whole idea of the infinite pirate generator, but I wish you could just make a like couple of tweaks Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and say like, um, I only want to see like blonde female pirates or, you know, black haired male pirates or, you know, whatever, just so, because I found like, I think in all the times I re-rolled my character, I saw maybe three blonde characters. And that was like the thing I wanted. I kind of wanted a tall female body with blonde hair. I didn't really care what the face looked like as much. I didn't care about the tattoos or scars, which are other things that you can't change. But um, I actually had to delete my character that we made on Tuesday night. So I lost all my progress because I didn't realize you couldn't change your hair color. So I found a character who's, again, I really settled on the right. idea of like the the body and the face. But I was like, oh, whatever, you know, like I can customize over that. I can get my own hair or whatever. Then I went and bought a new hairstyle and it doesn't change the color of your hair. And I was just like, I'm stuck with this disgusting orange haired pirate. What the hell? <laughs> so then I went and deleted my character and then spent hours trying to pick one. And man, it's brutal. And uh, like I said, I think I rolled three, maybe four blonde haired female pirates through two hours of re-rolling. Like, it's a terrible, terrible system if you care what your character looks like at all, and caring about what your character looks like is the whole point of Sea of Thieves. So I I find it it was an interesting choice, and I understand their decision. I just think that there's some happy medium there that isn't just 100%, like, random all the time. Like, you should be able to, like, just put one or two variables, like stick one or two variables and then roll within that pool. And I would Mm -hmm. have been a lot happier because then you still don't, you still get the random part, right? You don't have a default character. I think at least, you know, the top two customizers when you're playing a character is, uh, the sex and the hair color, you know, let me choose those two. Or like you said, affect the random generator to say like, I only want males, with brown hair mm-hmm. and or or even and having the option to toggle maybe facial hair on and off well even know? then facial hair is one of the things you can customize so really the oh. only things that are set in stone i think should be the things that you can't change right so your body type your face and your hair as well as your like tattoos and scars so like your your physical characteristics but um things like hooks for hands, peg legs, facial hair, clothing, all of those things are customizable within the game. So I feel like those things just leave them random, like whatever. But Hmm. things that you can't change once you get into the main game, because when you delete your pirate, you delete everything associated with that pirate. Again, because they wanted people to get really invested in their characters, which I kind of understand. If I'm playing an MMO and I delete my character, I lose all my progress. Like I don't then just get to start a level 21 hunter if i deleted my level 21 hunter i start back at one again so i do understand that concept but um yeah when they when they aren't upfront about like what the potential character options are when they're not upfront about what you can and can't change once you get into the game and then when they punish deletion of character or like going back in and changing what you've done i i think that that was a little bit of a misstep and in a game where there haven't been a whole lot of missteps, I know a lot of stuff that we've been talking about has been a little, like, maybe not controversial, but a little bit negative. Mm-hmm. Um, getting into the game and playing the game is super fun. I've played it now as, you know, uh, both the single-player experience, the two-player experience, and the four-player experience, and I like them all. Um, I was going to say pretty much equally, but that's not quite true. I prefer the sloop over the galleon, so I like uh, one- and two-man crews over four-man crews. But Right. 
It, they're still fun soup. experiences. No, sloop. Okay. Because <laughs> soup sounds tip. delicious right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't get a chance to play, but the, the I, and you know what? When it was never explained in game why you're doing the random generator, it just says, hey, generate your pirate. Mm-hmm. I think the reasoning behind the infinite pirate generator is a nice touch. And I get it. You're going to be running across characters. You don't want to run across another you. You want to yeah. run across another pirate. Yeah. And I think if you're able to affect the random generator with a couple of variables, at the very least, male and female, like I knew that I wanted to, you know, have a male pirate. And oftentimes I'd, I'd run it through and I'd get like two or three new male pirates and the rest were like, you know, we're grandmas. female pirates. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? I got to say the characters look really great. It's amazing character design, especially for a randomly generated sort of character creation. Mm-hmm. Um, but after the first three or four turns of the of the generation, it's like, okay, I've seen what this game has to offer in terms of its flexibility, but I don't need it rubbed in my face every time. I love that you can lock characters in and say like, well, I really like this one, so I'm yeah. going to keep him around. That's a decent touch but it's just not enough. It's not a game mm-hmm. breaker. Like I said, I haven't gotten in. So it's not like... Well, but it's funny like that you got stuck at character creation mm. because of the choice that they made to do the random pirate generator. Like if you could have just gone in, picked your character, like uh, tweaked a couple sliders, you probably would have been in the game a lot faster. And well, I, I feel hit like... server issues, so... It... Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it... But I feel, well, for me, I wasted a lot of game time doing the random pirate generator when I could have just been playing Sea of Thieves. And I feel like the people who are really concerned about the, because that was the other thing that they mentioned in the video was saying like, you know, we don't want people to be like paralyzed by a whole bunch of sliders and feel like they have to spend hours like tweaking their character. And I'm just, I'm sitting here after two hours of spinning the wheel going, yeah, you're paralyzed. Like I'm still spending two hours like i could have been in so much faster if you just let me like make a like tick a couple check boxes find yeah. my pirate and go like so i mean yeah and i don't want to belabor this point we've already no, no, talked no. way more about sea of thieves well, than we thought we were going to tonight but yeah but just with with the game pass and the ability for most folks who haven't tried the trial or think hey i'll play the 12.99 or the 12 dollars canadian the 10 dollars american to try this game with the other you know value added of the game pass it was really hard for me to 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 hit my wall again hit my head against that wall that is the sea of thieves you know server issues and the character creation mm-hmm. i only have so much time to play video games so it's like yeah. well this isn't working i'm gonna close it out and i'm gonna play another one of the game pass games that i had downloaded i played recore for a little bit i've been trying waiting to play that game for mm-hmm. quite a while and just jumped around in between different games that I downloaded. There's a lot in that Game Pass. And I think this is the first game with the whole, you know, first party day and date. AAA, yeah. Yeah. And if you're not catching people uh, right off the bat, uh, I'm sure they know this. And I'm, and it's not, it, it is, you know, probably being negative for negative sake, but... I think well, that... no, but you're right. Like, if, if people started their 14 day mm. free trial of Game Pass, or they're in, even if they went with the first month sort of thing, sure. you've got to assume that they did that a couple of days before launch to make sure that it would work. So you've got like not even two di- two weeks from your date of launch, but you've probably got two weeks from even like the Saturday or Sunday before that. So you've got like 
probably a week and a half to really mm -hmm. capitalize on those free players and convert them to either subscription people through the Xbox or to buying the full game. And then, like, even beyond that, if you've got people that have maybe tried the first month and have paid for it, like, with a subscription, you've got very kind of distinct sets of time where you've got to make stuff happen. So if they don't uh, kind of make some some kind of changes and steps forward, they're going to lose. You're right. They're going to lose a lot of those Game Pass yeah. uh, potential converts. Um, but my understanding that, that is the game is big... fun. So once the you game get into is it. Fun. The yeah. game is really fun. I feel like I have been a little bit negative today. But um, if you do go listen to Shipwrecks and Shanties, Siv and I talked for literally like an hour and 20 minutes about yeah. how much fun we're having this game. So <laughs> um, it is it's a lot of fun. There's a lot more in it than there was in beta. Um, there's a lot of different things to do and a lot of different experiences to have. Um, I really enjoy, and I hope that people kind of keep using it, but I really enjoy the in-game comms and like listening to other people, oh. um, and trying to, cause that's one of the things is that I think a lot of people don't necessarily realize because we had a lot of teams who were like coordinating over voice and we literally heard every single thing that they were saying, like, okay, I'm going to climb up the ladder on the right side of their ship. And we're like, thanks buddy. Pow. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I think uh, a lot of people didn't realize off the bat that it was uh, open voice comms. But once you get into the proximity of other players, you can hear their voice comms if they're using party chat. So yeah. it's uh, I mean, you can enable to uh, you can enable push to talk, which is um, I think which is really interesting. But uh, I've I mean, I had one. I told this story on Shipwrecks and Shanties, too, but. Um, I was tabbed out of the game because you can't hear the game when it's uh, minimized. So I was tabbed out of the game trying to figure out the whole reconnect feature thing with Civ. And, but I had been in a single player game uh, previously. So I kind of parked my ship next to a shipwreck and I was down in the shipwreck and there was like an air bubble. So I was just like sitting there while I was tabbed out. And then I tabbed back in and all I heard was, where are you? And I was like, <gasps> <laughs> and then someone killed me. <laughs> I was like, damn. Like, and I feel like it's like wow. little moments like that that really highlight how cool, interesting, fun, and unique Sea of Thieves can really be. It's mm -hmm. like little tweaks and things like that. So I, I think that there are a lot of very memorable experiences to be had in the game. And I do highly recommend anyone to go and check it out because it was it was so good. It's so fun. Mm -hmm. and I And I have played like probably about 12 hours or so of the game in various different I lost most of my progress because of the pirate <laughs> reset but you know um that was my own personal choice <laughs> but and, it is it's and servers are uh, like server access is kind of um get it becoming a little bit more stable uh since Tuesday night or, or sorry since Monday night I haven't had a problem with actually accessing the servers. So mm. we were able to get in uh, fairly easily on Tuesday night. And uh, I haven't had any issues whatsoever since. Anytime I've tried to log in, I've yeah. been in. So T Tuesday was the big day. Well, it was launch day, right? And I, I it was, well, yeah, Monday, that... Monday night, or I guess Monday night for us, because it launched at uh, midnight on Monday, or I guess like midnight Tuesday, whatever. Um, well, I, I'm just saying like Tuesday, normal evening time, like yes, seven yeah. o'clock, I couldn't get in and, uh, which is fine. I think Again. they brought the servers down. I think they did mm. maintenance around that time. So, um, and that's the other thing. Now they have published the maintenance windows that they're going to have. So there's a couple more, Good. uh, I think there's one Saturday morning and one Tuesday morning and it's like 9am to 11am like England time. So mm. it shouldn't really impact us at all. Cool. But, um, yeah, so 
it's uh, yeah, they've they've been making improvements. They've been doing little small patches here and there, and they've also they put out a dev video within 48 hours of launch, basically saying we just came out of a meeting. Here's our whiteboard. These are all the problems we're seeing. These are the fixes. This is when you can expect to see them. Like they have been very transparent, and wow. I think good on Rare for doing that. There's they are a very community focused team when it comes to Sea of Thieves. So um, if you do have any kind of comments or questions for them, um, the either see if these Twitter or the main forums are really a great way. And they, they really are listening. Um, I know a lot of games say that, but <laughs> rare really is. <laughs> yeah, and Destiny likes to say that, but we both know they're not listening. So <laughs> so that is enough about Sea of Thieves. We hmm. already talked about it way more than I meant to talk about it because I literally talked about it for an hour and 15 minutes today with Civ. <laughs> so um, the other game that we played this week, uh, both Ryan and I played The Council. Hmm. And um, Ryan, I'm going to let you take this one because... God damn yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I, sorry, I, I'm a little punchy. Well, okay, so it's I, an adventure game, so I kind of yeah. like uh, uh, the reason. The reason I react that way because I'm like, one of these days we're gonna find an adventure game that will rekindle the epic conversations we've had on the Gamers Inn from Wolf Among Us, and maybe right. that 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 conversation comes up when the Wolf Among Us season two comes out. But then I, I don't want to, I don't want to foreshadow another, uh, you know, uh, another issue like that. But anyways, um. The Council is a, uh, a an adventure game in the style of Telltale, except mm-hmm. the twist is that there are RPG elements. You choose a class, you have experience that you earn, you earn skill points that you can then put into traits. Um, you have you have consumables. There are uh, actual you know power points that you can use to mm-hmm. to unlock special dialogue options related to your skills. So there's a there's extra layers on top of that telltale style adventure game that kind of some make probably, it more unique. Make it more unique, yeah. And you know, some might say it's a distraction, but honestly I think it it really makes the game better than, you know, just a straight if it were a straight up telltale game, we probably wouldn't be talking about this game on the show because if you look up the council, the the first thing you're gonna notice is that the characters look a little wonky. Uh, and by a little, they just, they do not look, they don't, they just don't look great to me. Uh, to me, they have, they have a very interesting art sure. style, which is um, a little bit kind of like rough around the edges, sort of um, mm. exaggerated features, I guess is the best way to put it. Like it, to me, it looks very artistic and yep. because it's very artistic, you're going to have some people that really like it, some people that really hate it. It's probably going to be kind of polarizing. So um, the thing I found interesting was that to me, the character design, you're right. It's a little bit off. They often like zoom right in on on the faces of people. Yeah. Like I felt like there were a lot of shots. And again, it's very artistic, but I get, it's going to be off putting to some. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times when they would zoom right in on just like the eyes and nose of a character at like when you're the main characters like thinking or, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Like there are a lot of like extreme close ups, which the engine that it's built in, I found like it, it does not do it any favors because the characters specifically around the eyes, there's like a gap between yeah. like the eye and the eyelid. And it's just this like blank space. And I'm like, that's not how eyes work, guys. No, <laughs> like and- I don't have a like half inch gap between my eyeball and my eyelid. That yeah. would be a real weird look. <laughs> it's it, here. Like the, the thing is, like, I think. 
episodic games seem to have and then that's the other thing it's an episodic game so episode one's out now and there are five episodes planned but the thing about episodic games i don't think there's been an episodic sort of experience that really captures the triple a feel of games that uh, we've come to know and love and with this i would say it's probably like a double a game it it's got <laughs> it, it it's got its it's got its charm it's got its polish but you're right like the characters and the further you get into the game the characters don't really pop in the way that you'd hope although i will say and again this might be a personal opinion type thing but i was worried that with the look of the game the voice acting would also suffer and i actually thought that the voice acting was pretty good Oh my God, Ryan, do you not have ears? It's (laughs) I literally, I was like, I was going to like, just defend the crap out of this game, except the voice acting. The voice acting is brutal. Maybe, maybe it's all I've really played this week. (laughs) So I need an example. Um, uh, Yeah, I I don't know. Like I didn't find it terrible, but it's, it's horribly awful. The accents are all over the place. Sometimes the character's mm. British. Sometimes he's American. Sometimes he's some weird mesh of the two. Um, and just the things that they make the characters say, it's really funny because you can 100% tell that the voice actors are French. Yes, it's a French game. Yeah, it's a, it's a French game. It's And you can t- 100% tell because they will say a sentence and the accent sounds kind of, it just it's just off. But then they'll say something like a French name or they'll say like Paris or something. Mm. And it's like, it's perfect. Like, you're just like, oh my God, can't you just sound like that all the time? But it's like huh. the voice acting, the way the sentences are structured in some cases is really weird. And again, I feel like it was written in French and then just translated to English. And like, this happens in any translation, right? Sure. Like the nuances of the language are lost. And there were some points in time where I was like, that's not exactly how that sentence would go. And I don't think that that means what you think it means in this context. Um, So there were some kind of lost in translation moments. So the lost in translation moments combined with these really weird off putting, like not sure where to put the emphasis in the words, like style of speaking because they're not native English speakers, man, the voice acting is really bad. Okay. Well, you know what? Noted. Voice acting's bad, folks. I I guess it didn't. I wish I wish really that there was a way to uh, like, and maybe there is, and I just didn't find it in the settings. Sure. But um, I wish there was a way to just listen to it in it, the native language with English subtitles. I feel like that would have just changed the experience completely because yeah. just like the tone of voice in a lot of cases, it's like the tone of voice that you're using doesn't really match the situation. Like I think at one point. There's like uh, right when you get into the mansion, you're talking to one character who is very, very discreetly like passing you a letter. And then um, after he passes you the letter, your character is like, I swear to you, I will not tell anyone of this letter. And you're like, what? Maybe, <laughs> maybe a, the entire room. <laughs> maybe I looked past it because it was so quirky. And it's just like. I don't know. I I accept the fact that this game, like, it's not like it's not like the Last of Us style or you know Uncharted style voice acting. Like, by by no means is it living up to that. But um, 
I did play through the entirety of Life is Strange before the storm, Jocelyn. <laughs> yes. So I think I know terrible <laughs> voice acting. Life. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, no, I've been infected, basically. So maybe that's the case. Oh. Anyways, let, let's look at the positives. I think the environments look really, really yes. good. So I streamed this game on Tuesday and I had a couple people pop in and say like, oh, I'm really interested in this game. You know, I, I kind of looked at it. I'm not really sure. And, and really, the art style is one thing. The environments are another but uh it's yeah you're it, right the it's funny because the the character design is so artistic and to the point of potentially being off-putting but mm -hmm. the actual like environments and room and all of that like when you actually walk into the mansion and see like the entrance hall and the works of art on the walls like it feels like they put all their art budget into the environments and then mm -hmm. went oh crap we still need to create characters yeah the, the art <laughs> is they're they're a little disconnected but mm -hmm. like at the same time not necessarily disconnected in a bad way like i didn't hate how those two aesthetics kind of were married to each other but you're right like the character some of the character design is really weird it, but the environments are beautiful yeah and there's some stuff uh that ha like as more characters are introduced so the game the, the story behind it is basically we, we should say this that it's uh, you play Louis de Rocher, French name, and he is his mother, Sarah de Rocher, I think, is at this island. This island is a sort of, I guess it's like a secret cult island where this guy like invites well, a bunch of. I was going to say, I don't necessarily know if it's like a cult cult yeah, in not, like yeah. a, but uh, basically it's the, there's this kind of uh, worldwide order think like illuminati Definitely. sort of thing mm -hmm. yeah and uh so his mother is the head of the order and she is at the island for some mysterious purpose she goes missing you're invited to try to find out what happened to her alongside a whole bunch of historical important historical figures like george washington napoleon uh some random duchess who i'm not quite sure if she's an actual person or not um then there's also uh like the vice president's daughter um, like there's, there's all kinds of like important historical figures that gather at this mansion to basically, uh, come together, plan the direction of the world and go back to their countries of origin to implement the plans. Classic um, not... conspiracy theory exactly. type stuff. Yeah. As far as I can tell, not everyone is actually in the order, but they are all important world leaders. So you've got kind of like, um, a small group of conspirators within a larger group of conspirators. Uh, but I should say I didn't actually finish the first episode because I don't know um, if you didn't tell me or if it slipped my mind or whatever, but um, I didn't realize it was episodic. And there were a couple of things that happened through the course of gameplay that just kind of put me off. And then so I quit out of the game. I went to Steam and then I was like, oh, man, episodic. I don't even want to finish this now because I just kind of want to wait until I can play the whole story. Uh... Uh, which is my problem with episodic games, period. So hmm. um, I got through uh, the kind of initial part the first night into the second day. And the second day is when I kind of stopped. But my, I guess, biggest gripe with the mechanics of the game, other than the fact that it's clunky the same way any like movement walking around in a Telltale game would be. Um, yeah. Not that this is a Telltale game, but... no. The mechanics of just walking around in third person in these adventure games seems to be clunky for whatever reason. Um, so the movement and stuff is a little bit clunky, but the mechanic that kind of um, ticked me off the most, it was the most frustrating, was that like I would walk 
into places that I didn't realize would trigger the story to move forward. And there's no way to go back. Hmm. So I was kind of the, the one that kind of did it for me the most, uh, that was the most frustrating was I walked into my bedroom and there's kind of like a sitting room and then the room that actually has your bed in it. I've got the like quest or like my next story thing I have to do is go to bed, but there's no like actual click on it to go to bed thing. So I just uh, kind of had a really quick look around the sitting room and then I was like, oh, there's another room over here. You couldn't even see the bed from the door. And then like as soon as I walked into the room, it moved the game forward. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I wanted to explore before I moved the story on because I left some things unexplored in the sitting room and I didn't realize that I was going to be like kicked to the next part of the game. Um, So there were some like objects that were just lost. There was like a piece of amber, which is one of the collectibles, like up on a shelf. And then once I went to sleep, it was no longer there. So I was like, who took it? I don't know. The mystery. (laughs) (laughs) The mystery defense. But yeah, so um, that was kind of interesting to me. The Mm -hmm. other mechanic I didn't love was that you it kind of the game informs you when you miss an opportunity and the opportunities that I missed had nothing to do with decisions that I made necessarily. It was like when you choose your class, you're automatic, automatically granted level one of five different skills. So you'll have five skills going into the game regardless. Mm-hmm. And then the other kind of um, talent trees become more expensive. So you start with level zero and you need to put three points into something to hit level one and actually then unlock that skill. Whereas like you're just granted those skills based on your class for one of the other three things. So uh, I didn't, not that I didn't know or didn't realize, like the tree is very straightforward and it's also very interesting, but it was like, I think uh, logic might've been one of the skills in a tree that I didn't pick and uh, psychology and I can't remember, but there was like three or four things that unless I had actually picked that tree there's no way I would have unlocked by that point in the game. And there's a little notification that pops up that's like missed opportunity because your level in psychology wasn't high enough. Missed opportunity because your logic isn't high enough. And I'm like, right. you don't need to tell me those things. And maybe it's their way of showing you where uh, you could have a different branching path because that's another part that's really interesting. The episode is broken down into pieces and you get like a scorecard at the end of each piece that will tell you like um, all the things you succeeded at, all the things you failed at, and all the uh, paths that you missed. So I'm wondering if between the other branched paths that you didn't go down and also these little notifications telling you like your skills aren't high enough, if that's their way of um, incentivizing a replay to let you know where there's more information that you didn't get because you chose to be like, I chose to be the diplomat. I think there's a diplomat, a detective, and... Mm -hmm cultist oh is it a cultist okay yeah i went with the detective because i'm batman and um (laughs) i figured that uh it would come in handy but i had experienced a scene it was a dinner party scene and and basically you had to be uh the diplomat to Mm. to see it so i was seeing a lot of those missed opportunities popping up and yeah you're right those are a little annoying um because you're looking at it was a whole scene where i could do nothing but just watch just really bad animations and, and some glitchies <laughs> glitchness coming through and and uh yeah like i'm trying i'm trying to be 
I'm trying to be positive about the game because there are a lot of positive attributes that I found. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think that the negative overshadows the positive if you play through, uh, if you if you give the game a chance like you have. Mm-hmm. I think oh, for me, I, I'm no, definitely going to play this yeah, all no, the way. I, like I'm going to play all five episodes. I'm just going to wait sure. until it's all available uh, because I don't like episodic games. No, but. and I know that. <laughs> I, I can't remember if I told you or not, but... Um, I'm just saying for everybody else who happens to go look at a YouTube video or, or watches the Twitch VOD and says, like, I wonder if I'd like this game. It's you have to like Telltale games. Like if you don't like adventure games or, or at least like the idea of adventure games, you're still playing an adventure game. The mm-hmm. added abilities, you know, just enhance the adventure style. And I really like the yeah. adventure style. And and there's a puzzle that you didn't get a chance to to do yet. It's later on in the episode where you're on your own, you're talking to yourself, and there's a puzzle that you collect clues for throughout the game. And then when you get to the puzzle, based on what clues you found and what skills you've earned, you can deduce the solution to the puzzle. Mm -hmm. And it felt really balanced in that as a diplomat who did his due diligence, or sorry, as a detective who did his due diligence, I had some of the clues going in, but it was like, oh, this book has been overturned, so I'll open it. Oh, well, uh, I got to find the Medusa entry. One page is in French and one's in Latin, but I'm not a diplomat, so I don't, or not mm. a cultist, so I don't, I can't read Latin, but I'm French, so I can read French. And based on that, and just being able to, you know, analyze the the other pieces of the puzzle, I can then conclude the solution. And it was just really neat the way they had set mm-hmm. that out. Now, that's just one moment in the game, but it was by far the best moment where everything kind of came together. And we didn't, we haven't talked about this yet. I really like the dialogue. I know, like you said, the voice acting, not your cup of tea. And you're right. It's, <laughs> it's by no means going to win any awards. However, <laughs> and, and this, I mentioned that because another cool feature is the confrontations. Um, and where you are talking to a character and that character is having a, a confrontation with you and they're up above. Uh, also, the UI, I got to say, like, they, could they have picked more, more of a blander font? Like, it <laughs> looks like they didn't really decide. They're just like, I don't know, Ariel Black, let's go. We got to ship this thing. <laughs> Anyways, um, that aside, there's these uh, confrontations where there are these chances these blunders, mm-hmm. they call them. You you have so many blunders you can make before you fail a confrontation with a character. And basically, the whole point is to use your skills and your deduction to kind of decide what... Uh, what what ch- the best, best yeah. path to take is. Best, yeah. best path. And you can blunder and kind of slip up and still get a positive outcome from, from the conversation. But some conversations I found were more punishing than others. And I failed just solely on the fact that I... Well, let's face it, like I guessed wrong because I didn't have the proper skills to deduce. Now, maybe I should have used mm-hmm. some consumables because they do help. Um, they basically, you know, refill your skill points or they will actually tell you what character is vulnerable or immune to other things. So basically the, that in was the confrontations. The other, it, that was the thing that I, I thought was really an interesting choice in the mm-hmm. council that I haven't seen in other uh, adventure games and overall I think the council is my favorite adventure game because it's not my favorite genre anyways sure. but I like the implementation of all these R- um, RPG elements in it and it adds the extra level of complexity that I needed and the fact that each character has uh, vulnerabilities and immunities 
was a really cool extra level to it. It's like mm-hmm. in other adventure games, I feel like you could like kind of maybe gauge the situation to figure out what the air quotes best outcome would be. But in this case, like you can literally see like this person is smarter than you. They're immune to your logic. So you can't try to like confuse them with logic. It's not going to work. But they're vulnerable to like emotional whatever psychology Mm -hmm. or, you know, like you can mess with them that way. So it's like every character has something they're totally immune to and something that they're um, Mm -hmm. vulnerable to. And that I thought was a really interesting dynamic because then if you've learned anything about the character, if you've kind of like figured things out or if you're like have a high perception skill or whatever, or just talking to them in a conversation, you can figure out more and more things about their character, which then even though there's like a whole bunch of different choices in your dialogue that have to do with using different skills, you're able to know like, oh, I can't use that skill because he's um, he's immune to my to that skill. So I need to use something else. There's a better path through this confrontation. And actually, I failed a confrontation as well. My second confrontation, I think I failed because I was um, talking to this guy who was just like screaming at me and then I picked what I thought would calm him down, but then it was like, I had literally just met the character. So I knew nothing about him Mm -hmm. and I picked the thing that he was immune to. And then he like punched me in the face. And again, there's no like do over. There's no going back. Like, so I was just like, that's a little bit frustrating. (laughs) Yeah. And and those immunities um, and vulnerabilities, you can accidentally come across them unless you use a consumable that tells you, this person is immune and this person is vulnerable. And I actually... And I think that was my mistake too because Mm. I wasn't paying attention to how many like action points, for lack of a better term, uh, to just kind of help explain it to the audience. You have these points that you spend on making it, on doing actions. And I assumed they'd get refreshed at the start of every... um, They're not episodes, but every episode portion, I guess, every chapter. Um, and they didn't. So then I went into this confrontation, which I wasn't even, I didn't even know I was going to have a confrontation, but I probably should have assumed, but I went into this, uh, kind of scene with like two action points instead of full action points. So I literally, like, I couldn't do anything. And I was like, oh damn, like, I wish I would yeah, you can use consumables to refill your action points. I don't know if you've used uh, any of those. I didn't know. No, I didn't use any of them. And I didn't mm. realize I could use them in the middle of a confrontation, which is hilarious. Like, I know you want to beat the crap out of me. Just hang on while I swig this honey. Let me eat this honey. Just <laughs> yeah. hold up one second. This is my superpower. It's I'm like Popeye, yeah. you know, just going to throw some honey on my on my on my head. Exactly. It, the the consumables I, I didn't use enough of because I felt like I I, I was, to be honest, I totally forgot about them because yeah. they're not like there's no real UI presence for the consumables. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. they're there, but you have to. So everything that you can kind of consult is is in your in your uh, your journal menu, your journal, your yeah. inventory. Yeah. And they do have the ability to mouse over and or, or I played with a controller because I agree. Mm. I found the mouse. I don't know if you played with mouse and keyboard. I'm I played with mouse did. and keyboard. Yeah. I had to stop with mouse and keyboard because it's just it's <laughs> it very was bad. so clunky. <laughs> it's very bad. The, the control it, it is a controller game. Play with a controller. Mm-hmm. I know that's frustrating to hear folks who are like, you know, MKB, you know, just come on, guys. It's fine. <laughs> just get a controller. Um, because it, it, it will make it a lot easier to play this game. And, um, but like I said, like just the additions, the layers they've added onto it. And 
I gotta ask, I'm curious, what do you think of the story? Do you think where it's going is at least interesting? Like, is the story entertaining to you? Yeah, and again, I didn't make it all the way through the first episode, but just the uh, kind of pieces that I've found so far, I'm a huge history nerd. So mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, that Napoleon is there and George Washington is there, like it's it's the kind of story that really has its hooks in me just naturally. Um, I, I think it's very compelling and I like the, the, I, I like conspiracies too. So the idea yeah. that there's this like ancient Illuminati esque order that is controlling the world through this, you know, dinner party at this mansion, like it just, it, for me, the council hits all of those. Uh, plus there's, there's a mystery and a missing person and mm -hmm. maybe a murder mystery later on, who knows? But it's just like there there's all these different elements that are kind of coming together of all the things that I really love. So story wise, I think the council is awesome. And I, mm -hmm. I look forward to, to seeing the whole story that they want to tell because I think it's going to be really cool. Um, so, yeah, no, story wise, this this game is awesome. It's mm -hmm. just uh, yeah, there there are some there are some little glitchy kind of hurdles that you have to get over. Um, but it's jank. interesting that you say, yeah, there is a bit of jank, but it's interesting that you say it's better on controller. I should give it a shot with the controller and just see it's, um, uh, if yeah, that's it's so like now that I know a little bit better, like how the systems work and stuff. I think mm -hmm. uh, I might just start a fresh playthrough because, again, I, I didn't make it uh, past. I didn't make it to the third chapter. I was like most of the way through the second chapter when I when I kind of gave up. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, but yeah, uh... now that I kind of know where at least at the beginning where the triggers are to to move the story along then I feel like I might make some better choices, I guess. I don't know. But like I'll be able to navigate it in a less frustrating manner, Yeah, <laughs> which is good. And, but. and I played through the... So when I streamed it, I actually finished it earlier than I thought. And then I went back and replayed the final chapter of that episode to see How what How many the, chapters are there, just out of curiosity? Um, five, I think. Oh, really? Okay, Four so five, five chapters in episode one. So I was probably like... Yeah, about 40% of the way through, yeah, I would so say. Some of them are shorter than others, and the longer, mm -hmm. the the last one is about a half hour or so, and uh, I played through it twice to kind of see, because there's a choice at the end, and that choice leads to, you know, some gameplay where you uh, you progress through it, and something might happen, something might not happen. So I, I chose one option, and I, I chose not to complete that gameplay segment, because there are opportunities to... Uh, leave a conversation or leave a, a, an experience if you're if you're thinking like well this is the choice my character wants to make and then i didn't th i thought the outcome was like oh okay i don't really like that i'm gonna try and do it again and see what happens so i went back and did it again and the ending of the episode was completely different now mm -hmm. who's to say in episode two if they just they really just bring it back together um no i don't the ending, get but... the I don't get the feeling that they will because the, that's kind of like the whole tagline of this game is like it's not like any adventure title you've ever played. Mm. Like the decisions that you make actually have consequences to the story. So it feels a lot to me like a choose your own adventure. Not that you could ever get halfway through and have your character die like you can in a choose your own adventure book. But it does very much feel like that you start in one place and then over the course, like, I think it's going to have a lot of replayability because I cool. feel like over the course of the episodes, 
there's going to be a lot of different potential endings to the council, like to the point that I don't think that they could make a sequel unless they just said, okay, this ending is canon, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like this is a really good, just from the little bit that I've played so far, I feel like the story is very compelling and the way that they've built the world, it's super interesting and feels like it would be different every time. So again, I feel like it's very replayable and the kind of missed opportunities and those achievements that I was talking or not necessarily achievements, but the notifications I was talking about that kind mm -hmm. of um, let you know where you're missing things. It's all to kind of tell the player, like there's a reason to replay this game. Like there's more story to see. And I think if it all came back to the same place, then that wouldn't be the case. So I get the feeling that there's just a whole bunch of different potential paths that you can go down that are going to give you a whole bunch of different endings, which is yeah. really what I want out of any game that incorporates like choices and tries to tell you your choices matter, as opposed to something like Life is Strange, where it's like, no, my choices don't matter at all. Like, no. <laughs> this really doesn't make a difference. <laughs> well, I, I think what I'll do is when episode two launches, I'll, I'll, I'll get a taste of it and we'll talk about it on the show. And then after that, we'll revisit it once all the episodes are out and we can talk about yeah. it as a complete package. Cause I think, is there a timeline for when everything's going to be out or I couldn't not find yet. one, uh, mm. which is always a little frustrating. You know, I, I like get, you know, it's done when it's done, but I also like to know from an episodic standpoint, like what the general release windows will be. Um, yeah. Even if it's every three or four months, like I don't care how long it takes. It's just nice to know. So I don't forget and then find out, oh, there are, all the episodes are out and it's two years from now. Like that's mm -hmm. that's not that's not good. But uh, yep. if all the episodes re will release in 2018, that's that would be awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope so, because I would I would really like to do like even just a whole show talking about our different experiences in the council, sure. because like I said, I think there's a lot of different kind of interactions and stories to, to be found in the council, even just depending on what class you picked. Like I'm sure that because I picked the diplomat, I had a very different experience through episode one than you did. And I'm sure because you picked detective, you had a very different experience. So uh, I think it would be interesting to kind of like fully compare those two experiences and, and try to figure out like how replayable this game actually is. Um, but yeah, so that's our thoughts on Sea of Thieves and the Council. I feel like we went deep dive into two games tonight, yeah. so uh, we're running a little bit long. Uh, but we did want to remind everybody before we move into our topic of the week this week uh, that we do have a Patreon. So if you like the show, head on over to patreon.com slash gamers in if you'd like to support us. We do uh, game night once a month on the third Thursday, as well as uh, you can join up in the discord bit.ly slash TGI discord. For uh, all the conversations, there's actually uh, separate patron voice channels and all kinds of fun stuff. It's the best way to let us know what you want us to play on game night, as well as join in to our voice chats and stuff like that. So if you are a fan of the show and if you'd like to support us again, that's patreon.com slash the gamers in. We also have a patron ad this week from Simon, who says Geekly News Desk is a podcast all about the geek news this week. You can join your two knucklehead hosts, Andrew and Simon, as they keep you informed on movies, TV, video games and books. You can find them on iTunes or at weeklynews.com. Which brings us to our topic of the week this week, which is that Riot, Blizzard, and a whole bunch of other companies are teaming up to fight toxic gaming behavior. So uh, I found this article on Kotaku. Basically, they've um, created a sort of, uh, what did you call it, Ryan? Like an information sharing coalition almost? Yeah, it sounds a lot like just these companies sharing their experiences to combat 
their various uh, issues in their communities. So yeah, info sharing coalition is a good one. Yeah. And so basically all these companies that run multiplayer online titles have come together to basically say they're hoping to cut down on disruptive behavior. And the part that I found the most interesting about this specific article, well, there was a couple of things. First of all, they were talking about how for so long we've had this idea of like online, whether it's like personas or activities or all that kind of stuff versus like real life. And, you know, like who you are online may not be who you are in real life and the kind of the separation of the two. And I know it comes up all the time when people talk about like, oh, these are my like online friends and these are my IRL friends. And that's kind of an idea I've been fighting for so long. The idea that there is any kind of distinction between people you meet online and people you meet in real life. So the I can't I think it might have been Riot who was actually saying like there's basically no line now mm-hmm. between real life and online. It's just this is our life, this is reality and I think it's um a really good recognition of the way that we spend our lives now and the amount of ourselves that is online and and how there shouldn't really be a separation between those two things. So it was really interesting to see these big companies kind of coming right out and saying that. So I found that was really interesting. And then um, I totally forgot my second point because I got way down that IRL rabbit hole. Yeah, it's it's just really, and I think a lot of folks, you know, we've talked about Twitch streamers in the past who kind of built their communities around um, their persona that they put on, which may or may not be, uh, not a nice person. And, you know, they might be a decent human being, you know, underneath that character. They just play an asshole on TV. Yeah. Like there's a lot of those folks, even, you know, actors do it all the time. Like some people Mm -hmm. like really despise a specific actor because they, um, they, they played a bad guy once. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you. And, and streamers do that too. And there might just, you know, assholes be assholes, right? Like th- that could be a case as well with Twitch streamers or some Twitch streamers. But uh, <laughs> now that I'm one of them, I shouldn't really lump our, all of us together, you know. Uh, you know, I'm an asshole. But um, basically, I think that when you look at this, it's nice to see Twitch coming together with some of the bigger companies that are producing these these huge Twitch hits to kind of say like, look, it's similar to their new guidelines. Like we can't just blame the the people. We can't just blame the games. We have to look at the entire picture and work together to combat these communities. Because if someone's a hardcore, like I think one of the examples they use in the Kotaku article is this guy named Tyler, and he's a big uh, League of Legends streamer, Riot game. And he, they banned him both twitch and riot banned him for saying he was just he was a real jerk causing issues so we banned him and and they lo- they let him back in after a certain amount of time but you know whether he I learned feel like his it lesson was a year i feel like it was a pretty long because i remember mm-hmm. when he came back to streaming mm-hmm. he broke the uh he broke twitch's concurrent viewer record yeah. um that was i mean we talked last week about um drake and ninja and that so this was a couple months ago before the whole drake and ninja reset the record to like double what it had been before um but yeah so when he came back it was a huge huge deal because i i feel like he'd been away for a year i think that's how long the ban was i think you're right it was a year and my understanding is that he has been more reserved than in the past but you know walking that fine line between 
you know, humor and entertainment and just being, uh, you know, toxic, a, you know, toxic. Thank you. That's the word I should use instead of just being a bad person or, or asshole. But I think that it, it's good that the companies see these issues because they, they understand that Twitch is a good marketing tool and it's hard to market your game when say, Oh, I'm going to check out this Overwatch game. My kid keeps asking about it. Uh, I'm going to watch this video and then find some guy just, just being, thank you, Leo, obnoxious and toxic. And it's like, why would I let my child or even, you know, my kid under the age of 18 play something that's going to turn him into just a butthole, you know? Mm -hmm. So if these companies come together, it's good. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the big asterisks on all of the um, ESRB ratings, right? As they always say, the game is, you know, G or E or whatever. I guess, yeah, E for everyone. I can't remember what their, like, moderate one uh, is. It would be T for teen. T, right. Oh, yeah, T for teen, right. Um, but anyways, like, the, but they always say, like, okay, this game is fine. There's moderate, like, I think even Hearthstone is T for T, T for teen because of... Cartoon uh, violence, probably. Well, uh, it's not cartoon violence. It's the uh, It's the drinking. It's oh. because they have like brewmasters and they have, you know, tankards at the inn. And so there's like illusions of alcohol. And so it's T for teen instead of E for everyone. Um, and yeah. So anyways, the point is they always say this is what the game is. But online content is not rated because there's no control on these companies for like what people might say or do. And that's going to impact the experience of like Ryan, you mentioned teenagers. Like if I've got a 13 year old in Overwatch, Overwatch itself might be T for teen and it's got some violence in it because obviously you're shooting each other with like mm-hmm. plasma weapons, but you know, still you're shooting at each other. So mm-hmm. there's a level of violence there, but that doesn't stop whoever I'm on voice comms with from like swearing up a storm. Yeah. Winston might never say F you, but that doesn't mean that, you know, random Joe Blow on the Internet won't. So that's always been like controlling the community and keeping the toxicity out is a, a huge problem for all of these online games. And you've got companies that are implementing vo- like we talked about voice and Sea of Thieves. Heroes just implemented voice in their systems. Overwatch has had it since the beginning. And mm-hmm. so the, a lot of these other games like League of Legends have text chat. So there's all these kind of things that they need to figure out how exactly to uh, deal with toxic gamers. So I think it's really interesting that they're, that they're teaming up. And the other thing that I was going to say um, originally that I find really interesting is how Riot is kind of recognizing that they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> like, originally they were saying that, you know, like they were totally outspoken about toxic communities up until a few years ago. And then all of a sudden they kind of went quiet on the matter. And I found that interesting. I, I kind of assumed that it meant that Riot just didn't care what League right. of Legends was like, because League of Legends was really known as like the most toxic online community. Like people wouldn't even try the game because it's like you go into your first tutorial match and people are screaming at you. Like it was, it was, that was what it was known for more so even than it's gameplay. <laughs> So Mm -hmm. the idea that um, Riot kind of stepped back, I thought it was just because they were like, meh, there's nothing we can do. So whatever. But now they've come out and said, like, we step back from the conversation because we realize that our community is a problem 
And we didn't want to tell other companies or other people what to do because obviously we really don't know. So I think the fact that they've stepped back into the conversation now and the way that they step back in is by partnering with other companies to try to tackle this huge problem. I think that's a huge step forward just for all of these communities alike. I'm glad that these companies are kind of putting aside their competition to figure Mm. out how we navigate this online space because it's relatively new. Yeah. I I mean, you know, pioneers uh, don't know what they're doing because they're doing it for the first time. And you might think like, oh, Riot's a pioneer, Blizzard's a pioneer. Well, yeah, in terms of online gaming, online gaming has been around for a long time, but not at this scale and not at this level of toxicity. So Blizzard, Blizzard even with Overwatch, like they they are this is new to them this toxic toxicity because before overwatch they didn't really have a lot of games that sort of un you know uh revealed to people just these really toxic players because even in heroes there was you could just mute someone or you could you could squelch them in in hearthstone you know world of warcraft you just you block them it just i was gonna say it's not even necessarily muting and blocking because Mm. those tools exist in overwatch as well but it's the it's the style of gameplay yeah because i mean like there was that level of toxicity in like world of warcraft pvp but Anytime you had like, uh, well, Starcraft was generally a solo, like the only competitive Starcraft is 1v1, like it's a solo endeavor. And then uh, in PvP, the only competitive thing was Arena, like there are rated battlegrounds that you can do, but Arena is like the esport and you're already in like teams. Mm -hmm. There's no kind of like progression. We talked about this on Angry Chicken quite a lot, how Hearthstone is sort of unique in the Blizzard universe in that you play the competitive thing in Hearthstone, which is the latter, in order to progress in com- the competitive esport that is Hearthstone. Heroes doesn't do that. You could be the top of Hero League, and it means nothing in terms of actually progressing through HGC, which is mm-hmm. the Heroes Championships. So um, when you kind of marry those things together, and you've got all these teams made up of all these different people, that's kind of where all the toxicity suddenly came from. It's like, you have these teams made up of all these random people and and heroes does suffer from this as well. But then you layered voice chat on top of that, which their games didn't have before, right? Like I can get super salty and super angry and type up a storm in World of Warcraft, but it's still just text. There's a whole lot of difference between me typing out, Ryan, you're a big jerk, and me saying, Ryan, you're a big jerk. Hmm. (laughs) One of those those makes me really sad. Right. (laughs) And it's like one thing is just so much easier to ignore than it is to have somebody literally yelling at you over comms. Yeah. So I feel like it's just like the Overwatch was like that next step for Blizzard into this world that they weren't necessarily prepared for. And I'm sure they knew how to moderate text chat because it's super easy to block a word. But how do you moderate voice communication? It becomes this huge problem and can spiral out of control. And I think that's really what's happened here Hmm. is that their communities have kind of spiraled out of control, gotten reputations and then encouraged that kind of um, that kind of attitude behavior because there wasn't really much that was being done. So the fact that they're all trying to come together now and figure out what to do now that voice chat is becoming uh, kind of a staple for competitive gaming. Like it's that next step in the evolution of online gaming. And I don't think that we are ready for it. (laughs) I don't think that they are ready for it. And mm -hmm. so the fact that at least they're, they're recognizing that and coming together to try to fix this 
is good. <laughs> yeah, well, when Twitch says they're coming up with these community guidelines to make you accountable for your community, and a lot of those streamers who would probably have issues was like, well, this is stupid, I'm not going to have to do this, this is dumb, and then just kick up a fuss and whine and moan. But then when Twitch goes to the companies behind the games that have these toxic communities and says, hey, we need to do the same thing, and those companies step up, when, and there's money on the much more money on the line, jobs on the line with these games. If you're if you're going to start looking at your player base and banning people for being toxic, and that's the thing when you're when you're hacking, that's that makes that's one thing. Like you can ban someone while you were hacking. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's a it's a no brainer. But looking at you know the ability to get to the point where you're banning someone permanently, their account from playing a game blizzard and riot just haven't really been there until recently where they're now comfortable with taking out a large streamer online if if they're gonna be an issue and i think they went with tyler they went as far to basically ban his current account and any other accounts that they could deem were his you Mm -hmm. know like they didn't just ban one account where he lost all of his progress they they banned just every little account that he would create to to try and play like they they swatted him down and they made him sort of you know um, <laughs> sit in the corner and think about his action exactly and <laughs> if these larger companies are going to be more willing because honestly like i know you're going to cause bad press by by taking somebody out of the game that may have a large following but really there's always more people out there that are willing to play your game if it's a safe and just fun environment because guess what folks yeah. video games are supposed to be fun <laughs> no way no, no way. it's that not fun. it's not being fun yelled at jocelyn it's not <laughs> well and that's kind of so that's where the risk and reward comes in for these companies and this mm. is what they really have to figure out and how much um i guess policing of their communities they want to do because there's a, there it, it is a very hard line to walk and i think that maybe it would be nice to see something like the esrb board get involved with this because obviously they've been drawing lines between you know what is appropriate for who for a while and that kind of experience and guidance i think is important here because when you get to the point of deciding what is okay to say and what is not okay to say eh, that you need to eh, that can be really really difficult and it's a fine line to walk right mm. so I, I feel like I'm excited for these potential like uh, changes and the collaboration and the things that they're doing, but it does come down to a risk reward sort of thing, right? It's like how strict do these companies want to be? Like how far do they want to go to make sure that they're creating an environment that's going to bring in more gamers than they're banning, basically, yeah. right? Like you want that player base to grow right. because you're making it a more pleasant experience for everybody so but everyone's definition of a pleasant experience is going to be different right so right it 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 does become a little bit like it's very objective and it it, it does become difficult to enforce or at least to kind of put the rules in place in the first place and i think twitch has made um a fairly decent attempt to Mm. kind of nail down what is appropriate what is not appropriate and you know trying to put some language around context because I think that's also very important. There can be times where, well, I mean, I just did it a couple of minutes ago. I said, Ryan, you're a big jerk Mm -hmm. with no context. Then, you know, that's a really mean thing to say. But, you know, with context and me saying like, oh, I was giving an example. Those are two totally different things. And if one of them turns out to be bannable, 
you have to bring context into it. So I think Twitch is, has really done a good job of trying to put some words down on paper to kind of explain context and explain what they're going to take into account when they're looking at something that gets reported. Mm. And I think it's a good first step and they're probably the furthest ahead, but they're also the ones who have done something the most recently. Right. So obviously they're going to be furthest ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I personally believe that there is a line and you, you well, yeah, know, but your you... line is going to be different than my line, uh, <laughs> man. I mean, Possibly. like, uh, <laughs> If, if you're if you're just mean-spirited for mean-spirited sake and you're racist and you're derogatory like that's not fun and that's a bannable offense and I think you can smack talk and trash talk without being super like you're right context is important but I can tell when someone's just being generally you know uh, a bad person and joking around you know mm -hmm. I think it's very easy to understand but you're right in like if we were among other folks strangers playing a video game let's say you know uh, sea of thieves you know the hit new rare game from uh from rare i don't know rare hasn't had many hits lately so it's good to mention them <laughs> twice uh if we were just shooting the shit being pirates and being like ah you know you're you're stupid and drunk, Arr. and then someone. Well, actually, if we were talking about the pirate accent, they probably think we were joking. But anyways, and <laughs> someone heard that conversation. It's like, oh man, Ryan is harassing Jocelyn. I'm gonna report him. Like, right. yeah, you're right. There is there is a gray area there, but I think it's it should be a case by case basis. But there are examples out there of people who are just just who are need, just awful and toxic. Yeah, and, and they need to be looked at. So start thing, with yeah. them. I, I yeah. mean, there's an easy, there's an easy path for, there's the, uh, what's the metaphor of things rising to the top? Like scoop that out first, get the gunk out of the top there. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah, I see what you mean. Like kind of like take some of the, the bigger, more obvious problems, solve those first before you get more into the gray area. Yeah. Something about wheat and chaff or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. That sounds like a, sounds like a, a farmer thing. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a pirate, not a farmer. <laughs> well, yeah. So I think like there's definitely two sides to this issue. I'm glad that yeah. these big companies are coming together. And I forget the actual name of it. Hang on. I think it's called like the Fair Fair, fair Play, Play fair, Alliance. Yeah. Fair Gamers Alliance. Fair Players Alliance. Probably Players. Fair Play Alliance fair is what Play. it's called. So if you guys are interested in finding out more about it, then uh, feel free to do some research into the Fair Play Alliance to figure out what exactly all these companies are doing. But there's over 30 of them all together, yeah. uh, including uh, like Epic is another one who is behind Fortnite. So there's lots of like big name companies that are that are coming together to try to solve this problem. So, uh, yeah, I think it's great for for gaming, for Twitch, for for everything that we're uh, some of these bigger companies trying to make a difference and trying to get their communities under control. So, um, yeah, just uh, write in. Let us know what you guys think about all these companies teaming up. Uh, Ryan, do you want to tell us a little bit about the TGI Patreon mini before we go? Mm -hmm. So if you go to patreon.com slash the gamers in, you can check out our Patreon mini, which basically breaks down all the gamers in content coming to you this week. And that includes updates on shipwrecks and shanties. It's the first place you would have heard that they are doing more episodes post launch. 
So uh, you're missing out. And, you know, Summoner's Call and the Gamers in Prime and any events that are going on. And sometimes we get into a little bit of what new games are coming out. I try to, you know, add a little bit at the end there. But it is exclusive to the Patreon platform. And if you are a patron and you like downloading those episodes through your favorite podcast app, you do have the ability to use the audio RSS feature. But that is exclusive to patrons. So go to patreon.com slash in and check that out. That's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com, which is also where you can find links to the podcast that Ryan just mentioned. The Gamers in Prime, Shipwrecks and Shanties, and Summoner's Call are all available at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at Jocelyn's. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes are streamed live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash thegamersin and are available after the fact on both Twitch and at bit.ly slash TGI VODs. If you'd like to email the show and let us know what you think about the Fair Play Coalition, Sea of Thieves, or the Council, please do so at info at gamersinpodcast.com. Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone.